Well, hey there, everybody. Meteorologist Andrew Gorton here with another edition for the WTOC First Alert Weather Podcast. We're going to have Dave on next week. Uh, I'm going to be out of town, but we're going to do a special one where he's in Georgia. I'm in Texas. It's going to be a lot of fun. But today we have a special guest, Will Boswell. Thank you so much for uh, coming on in here today. What's up, man? So Will and I met in person today for the first time. But what's funny about my job is you you get to know people over social media, right? So I took notice of you because of your pictures. You know, you you have had some crazy good weather pictures. And for somebody like myself who grew up storm chasing, being out in the 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 wild essentially, and now I'm in a studio a lot of the times when I'm not out in our storm chaser, I need those eyes out there in the field because it makes me feel connected to it. What What is your favorite part about just photography? Is it, is it doing drone stuff? Is it still images? What What do you like about it? Um, I think I should give some context for how I got into photography. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so, I, actually, I went to school over here at Savannah Christian. Close. And, um, right across the street, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I had this one awesome art teacher so basically, this I had this awesome teacher, and her name was Ruth Mathis, mm-hmm. and she was an ex-cop. Uh, total, she was awesome. She was like one of the coolest people ever. Uh, but she convinced the school to build a dark room, like back in maybe like 2008, like right before I graduated. Yeah. And uh, they taught us how to like develop like film photos and everything. I've got to be like one of the last people who learned how to do it, man. So what... What led you into weather photography specifically? So you got kind of that start then, but what what's your favorite thing to photograph? Is it people? Is it is it just nature? What, what? Yeah, nature all day. Yeah. Um, I well, I do like taking pictures of, of people, but it just feels weird. Mm-hmm. And like, um, I, I already kind of have done that full time for like companies. Yeah. You know, I work with Disney. Uh, as my first big photography job, but. Uh, and that's all our job was, was just take pictures of people. Yeah. And, um, like I w- I would say that my favorite is like action and sports. Uh, okay. but somehow I wound up in, in the weather game, uh, mainly just from growing up on the water with my parents and like going back and forth from like, you know, I don't know. I spent a lot of time on the marsh growing up and, mm-hmm. and just out there where the basins are, uh, a lot of crazy weather happens and eventually, really does, yeah. Eventually, I found myself with a camera, uh, and I've learned a bunch of stuff with Disney uh, down the line. I didn't even study it in college. It just became a hobby passively. Um, so you actually you have prints that you sell, or, or what, is it kind of on the side? It is on the side, yeah. All this stuff has been on the side. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that. I, I did. I interned with Disney as photography because I didn't really have a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, after school, I did, com- I did a communications undergrad. And um, once I got there, I learned pretty quick, like, I'm going to have to learn business, and this isn't going to work for right. a long-term kind of trajectory for my career. So I immediately re-enrolled back at Georgia Southern and started studying, like, marketing and, like, the real, you know, business stuff. And now I'm in an MBA program, and I'll be done in four months. Nice. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I just do full-time production stuff now. I'm trying to get out of it eventually, but um, whether – just started coming to me kind of and yeah, I, had I mean, it's always it's always there you know yeah. that's one of the things that that I love about it is that you know you'll hear people say oh we got weather coming in and I'm like weather is always there you can go outside right. you've got a temperature dew point wind whatever weather is 24/7 it, it, i mean it might be good bad it's all relative but you can go outside 
take a picture of a sunrise. You got something new every day. Sunrise, sunset, storms thrown in there. Maybe you've got a shower that that just produces like a vibrant rainbow or water spout. Like there's always something there. It, it, since you know it's so diverse, is that why you like it? Because it's different every day. It's not. It's not like you're going. Yeah. And I know you don't. You know, shoot weather photos every day. But when you get the chance. When I lived in Colorado in Summit County, uh, I was working with Bale Resorts. Uh, it was like my first marketing job. Um, the, every day, I, I kind of noticed that I need to be taking pictures of weather mm-hmm. because there's this big mountain out uh, right out in front of where I lived, and every day it would look different. And I would always have my camera with me because I was going to work, and, and like I did a lot of marketing, like content stuff for the yeah. company. And uh, so one one day I just started waking up and taking pictures of it every day, and I have like hundreds of pictures of the 10 mile range just changing colors at the same time every morning and wow. uh so i kept that trend kind of going and eventually i learned like astrophotography and and all that stuff out there i met this dude on on top of the continental divide like near the arapaho basin uh if you guys ski at all it's it's like one of the highest elevation ski locations in the whole country uh, i think the base of the mountains like nine or ten thousand feet it's crazy yeah like you get up there and you park your car and you're already like panting out of breath yeah which uh, uh, you know a huge difference from being at almost sea level you know way down here yeah yeah big time um and you you get up there and uh you know it's freaking cold uh but the stars are amazing because there's less atmosphere so yeah uh there's people that just gather up on the continental divide with and just you know my negative four full snow uh Mm -hmm. little little heaters off to the side and everything and just shooting astrophotography for like five or six hours to the morning. And, um, eventually I kind of got obsessed with it and I started like, kind of like, you know, pulling all nighters and still showing up to work the next day and stuff. And then I was like, wow, this is kind of, this is kind of draining. And you got to, I was talking to you about it one day. You got to sleep. If you want to play that game, you have to sleep. You know, and and the funny thing with sleep is everyone's like, oh, like I was out later than I should have been last night. And it's like, oh, I'll just go sleep whenever I get home. But yeah, once it's gone, it's gone. There's really not making up for lost sleep. I just feel like it's, it's a losing game trying to chase it. Right. And, uh, you know, like there's like last night there was the lunar eclipse. I saw all this. Uh, yeah, like you know, we I did get one. we did get one decent picture here. I have got one, and it takes a skilled eye to look at it. You know, to actually find it and the equipment because right. you know we love getting viewer photos, but there a lot of them are going to look like mine. I go out there with my iPhone and take a picture of it, and I feel like with this astrophotography, a lot of times it's a letdown for the public. So Cutter and myself <laughs> yesterday. We were like, look, you know, CBS, CNN, like all these people are, are showing us these crazy videos from NASA of like past, you know, eclipses. But that's with a great camera. Like we're trying to, we're not trying to get people unexcited about these things, but it's like, we don't want you to go outside, have high expectations, and then you see it and it just does not live up to it. But with somebody like you who is actually gone and you didn't go to school for it, but you've kind of trained yourself to do it. That's where we really get in on the good photographs and seeing those from viewers is is, is amazing. And I've used your pictures on air before social media, and it really is just a way to, to showcase, you know, the, the diverse scenery that we have here. And I mean, obviously it it creates cool relationship with us to have that, but I, I just think that, that it's cool that you're taking that passion and then, you get to share it with with a lot of people. Yeah, and big thanks to you guys for that because WTSC has been kind of helping me get around Savannah for 
a few years now uh, passively and like no questions asked kind of stuff. So I really appreciate that. Um, uh, the, the whole, like it all started out locally for me and then I kind of moved to Orlando and then, Mm -hmm. uh, started trying to branch out in Orlando a little bit too. So kind of covered both of those areas. So going or sticking with kind of the, the astrophotography, you know, with SpaceX, you know, being more frequent over the last few years, have you gone out to Tybee or try to find somewhere with a lower light pollution and, and try to shoot some of that stuff? Yeah, I have. Uh, I almost always screw it up. Uh, there's been a couple of times. You're just learning almost, ways to not do it, right? Right, yeah. Uh, I've got a, I got a few of them. Uh, the, one of the first big Falcon launches I got, mm-hmm. um, like right when they first started stopping blowing them up, well, they're figuring them out. Yeah, like when they finally started getting them into orbit, I got one of the first ones of that. And ever since then, it's just been like out drop focus. Like, I, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, I mean, and, and that gets technical, which we, you can talk as technical as you want. Someone listening will understand it better than I will. But I, I think that's pretty neat. I've seen some people out there even get on really clear nights. Uh, you can get Milky Way pictures oh, from yeah. Tybee. So can you explain like how you get that? Is there like, right, a, a, yeah. is there just one picture or do you have to stitch it together or is it more of a time lapse? Like how does that work? All right. We can get a little bit without giving away your secrets. No, it's cool. We can get a little bit technical here. I talk about it all the time. So the thing about shooting astrophotography is you don't want to make your camera's image sensor too hot. Mm -hmm. Um, Like whenever you, when you run your camera, like kind of ragged or holy crap, is that loud? (laughs) Oh, you're good. I'm sorry, man. This is my wake up alarm. We we woke up. No, early. I got I got him up early here today. This I, is we're just we're literally just having a conversation here in the studio. So I live ten minutes from work, and then I go shower really quick, and then I go straight to uh to nine line and start editing videos all day. Yeah, I definitely don't get to work as quick as I need to some days. So I completely understand. No, you're good. What were you just talking about? So we were talking about how you get a you know, right. a good Technical. image of the okay. of like a Milky Way or something so, like that. So first of all, to get a good picture of the Milky Way, you're going to need a really wide angle lens and you're going to want to not make your image sensor overheat. So does that, does the wider lens, does that have to do with letting more light come into the camera? Yeah, it does. Uh, The wider your, your focal length on the lens, like a wide focal length would be like closer to zero and a a shorter one would be like closer to infinity. Okay. Um, But if you, and that is literally where it goes. Like, eventually there's a point on all lenses called the infinity focus. Uh, so it wasn't even, like, a illusion or anything. Nice. Um, so anyway, uh, once you find that spot, you, you want to set your aperture as low as you can most of the time, like, but not too low that it, you lose focus on your, your uh, landscape. Right. But also a lot of people like to take a, a – two different photos and you know they'll layer like one of the landscape mm-hmm. and then one of the the milky way just because you can get better focus yeah I, I've, I, you can kind of tell when things have been touched up you yeah, know it's like back when when instagram like first started and everyone would be like oh no filtering like yeah you got like mayfair on there or yeah. something like you can yeah. tell you really bumped up the contrast or, or something right yeah and i i'm not a composite kind of guy that's what it's called compositing um i've never really been much on on that game i usually just do posts like i underexpose a little bit or i either overexpose just depending on what's going on and then i just fix things up afterwards really quick and uh really you can't see it until you've exposed it it's kind of weird like like you could be looking right at it and not even see it yeah it's it's really interesting 
you know, looking for something that my dad and I used to do. We're just, you know, growing up in Texas out like somewhat in the country there for a while before it got real built up around Dallas, we could sit in our backyard and, you know, you have to let your, your eyes dilate a little bit. So yeah, yeah. that's important too. For sure. But we would count satellites and that kind of like sounds dumb, no. but we would sit out there and just chill and you would look up and you could see it. And they're not like as bright as the International Space Station or something like that. But it was just something fun that me and my dad would do. So I've always been interested in stuff like that. And, and I think it's cool. I've never, like you said, staring right at it. But I've never been like, that's the Milky Way, you know? Yeah. Um, you can do it. You can see that on Tybee. Uh, if you go out there and you, you download like one of the, the Milky Way trackers on your phone, mm-hmm. uh, just, just sit out there on the beach and you know, avoid whatever weirdos are walking around on the, <laughs> hey, at 4 a.m. You got, on Tybee. You got, some, uh, you got some of that. We've all been there. Shout out to, oh, shout out to some of the other, there's a Tybee podcast out there. It's like uh, Behind the Bar cast. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that's the other podcast that I've, that I've listened to from Savannah. But they were talking about, they always talk about, like, what's going on in the morning and, mm-hmm. like, crazy stuff on Tybee. And I tell you what, when we get some of those, like, arrest reports, the next day, yeah, they usually, cover that. usually they'll uh, they'll put them out like, oh, this weekend we got you know so many people drunk driving, and then there's always some weird like disorderly conduct, something that it's just like yeah. only on Tybee, man. It's yeah, just, man, it's so, its own place. So if you go shoot Tybee at night, like you know, I'm not saying just just be safe when you do it. Like there's some crazy. I'm not saying that it's even a bad place, but like people go to places where there's no cameras and no lights to do. Yeah, well, you can things. You can get in trouble anywhere. So, I yeah. mean, you can get in trouble in downtown Savannah. You can get in trouble in, in, in Pooler. But you got more 4, often than not, you're doing okay If out you there. have $4,000 worth of camera equipment, you don't need to be, you know, Right. So, we won't give up your them. exact locations that you go and shoot stuff at. So, I, yeah, I guess yeah. my next question, because we kind of went over a little bit of the technical stuff. Obviously, there's some post-production. Like, you, you'll edit a little bit. But you don't want to take away from yeah what the, you actually shot, right? You don't want it to be uh, unrealistic. Yeah, I try to avoid that at all costs. Uh, sometimes, like, I get a little bit creative, mm. and, and, like, it's just, you know, like, the photo didn't turn out great, so I got to do something cool with it, so it wasn't a waste of my time. Yeah. Um, but I, most of the stuff that I post is, is just a little bit boosted in post. Like, nothing more than you guys probably do on your own Instagram. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, a funny uh, exchange that we had, I don't know if you remember this, but you were down on, like, the south side in one of the marshes, and, and you had sent me a picture of a drone shot or something. And then you're like a week later, you're like, man, someone else is down there, like in my spot. Uh, you remember that? You're yeah, like, man. oh, I gotta, I gotta be careful with not giving away my my buddy's photo spots. I have a feeling you're probably listening to this. I don't even know who you are. Yeah, Get don't take turf, don't man. take his spots. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You can see there all you want, man. No, it's it's but fun. You found a good. So uh, I'm glad other people can enjoy it. So what are your favorite places? If if we're not talking about weather specifically, just nature shots around Savannah. I mean. You've got your typical ones. You see people with with cameras around their necks, you know, downtown, you know, Forsyth, Warmslow. But what are kind of your unique places that you like? Um, for me, I, I'm borderline obsessed with shooting the marshes in Savannah. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of uh, Jack Lee. Uh, he's a famous film photographer from Savannah. He shot large format, um, like $20,000 possible lot cameras where you just put wow. a big, you know, piece of large format film in there. Uh, I think he went... He may have gone to like SCAD and like private. Wouldn't surprise me. Like one of the classic like rich artist kids. That yeah, but you got a lot of here. a lot of talent in town. He kills it though. I mean, it, he well, he passed away like maybe a decade ago, but his work is amazing. I mean, 
probably most of the people here listening know exactly who I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm sure I've seen something of his, so I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to look. Yeah, man. So Uh, with marshes, I what I like about them is that they're always changing. Not only do you have the tide going in and out pretty much every six hours, we have huge tidal fluxes here. A lot of people don't realize that Savannah itself, like around the Savannah River. We have one of the, I I can't give you like a number like top five, top 10, whatever, but we have one of the highest fluctuating tides in the country. You know, some days it could be nine, 10 feet. And this is like the worst place to try to learn how to drive a boat and navigate marshes. People get stuck all the time. Coast Guard stays busy out on Tybee because of folks, especially in the summer. Sandbars get people in a lot of trouble and whatnot. But with that dynamic of the tide, I think that, that's cool that you like the marshes because within a matter of an hour, I mean, you could have the water come up a foot or two, depending on like if it's a king tide, what the moon phase is, if the wind's onshore, if it's offshore, like there's a lot that goes into it. So that's kind of cool for you because it it ties in the weather with photography because you're not going to go out there if it's raining. Right. But also I know in the past, I think you've said like, Hey, give me a heads up next time. You know, it's going to storm. I have a a good shot for this or that or whatever. So that way, like you and I can kind of have that little, teamed up shot where I can give you a heads up and say, Oh, I think like this would be a good place to be in position if you're free. Like if you want to go shoot some pigs today, yeah. but, and, and then you, you usually, you know, nail it. Yeah. It's, I've, yeah. There's been quite a few times now where I think you've set me up for some good, you know, oper- photo or ops. even sunsets too. Like yeah, y- sunsets. you can, it's actually pretty easy to tell if there's going to be a good sunset or not. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, and the thing is, is like, everyone's like, Oh, it's clear. It's beautiful. I'm like, yeah, but, you don't get a lot of color. The th- what you need is clouds at a certain level. And of course, since the earth is round, it's not flat. Right, <laughs> Some yeah. people will agree with that, but that's fine. What happens is <laughs> if you get the clouds, you know, mid-level clouds are great for, especially if you get like alto cumulus clouds or what we call a mackerel sky. Sometimes if you haven't heard that up, just look up mackerel sky sunset pictures. It's amazing. It looks like fish scales, which is why it's called that. But what happens is, of course, the rays of the sun, even after the sun sets, really after it goes under the horizon is when you're going to have your best sunset pictures because, yes, the, the big ball is under the horizon, but since the earth is curved, you're still getting some of that refraction coming right. up, and that's when it illuminates the bottom of the cloud. And that's when you can get, like, those cotton candy skies or things like that. So if you really – it doesn't take – too much training or, or just common sense to see, oh, clouds are at this level. And it's pretty easy for me to teach somebody how to see what level clouds are at for that day because they form at a certain point. It's called the lifted condensation level. It's when your temperature and your dew point meet. It's easy. It's going to fluctuate every day based on how thick the atmosphere is here. But um, how we figure that out specifically, you can look at uh, different airports. Uh, they, they'll have their their heights for the day, but also weather balloon launches from around the area. It might not be specific for Savannah because our closest are going to be in Jacksonville and Charleston, and we're kind of sandwiched in between, but usually our weather's somewhat similar. And you'll look at uh, a skew-t, a temperature profile of this weather balloon holding a radiosonde, taking a measurement as it goes up and up and up, and when you, it's just pretty easy to see where what we call the LCL is. And all that being said to say, I can tell if it's going to be a decent sunset or not. And without having to look at that, once you, and you seem like, you know, you kind of train yourself to do this stuff. You can just start looking at it and be like, all right, it's going to be a good day for it or not. Actually, I took several meteorology classes. They come in handy. Uh, So I've always kind of known what, what, at least the basics of like what kinds of clouds are. Yeah. Um, So like if I ever see like a big, like cumulonimbus. Oh, those thunderstorms that you get in the, 
and the summer are great. And, yeah. and the contrast with how dark it is with like when the marsh is like really popping green. Yeah. Those are cool. And then one of my favorites is like if you get one of those big like white coastal birds or whatever and it just contrasts against it like on mm-hmm. the dark cloud in the background. That's pretty cool too. On a darker note, uh, one of my favorite things to photograph in the marsh is trash. Really? Yeah. You just never know what's going to end up there. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's really out of control. Like, um, and like I'm pretty centric, but the marshes are getting really messed up. Yeah. And it's because we're building, uh, you know, like causeways and stuff through them all the time. And, and there's just no way to really keep the trash off. But my friend Jeff Sauce and uh, his wife, Allie, uh, they do a lot of marine science research. And uh, they were telling me about a study at College of Charleston where like three, there's like 3,000 pounds of rubber or what. Wow. Com- Flying off the roads into the marshes there per month. Dang. It may even be more than that. And that, quite that's not even like people that are just dumping stuff. And on a similar note, this is not really weather related, but I actually did a story in the past with uh, UGA Skidaway, uh, the, the research institute out there. And right, they yeah. did a specific study. I think they had a grant or something to do this where they were harvesting shrimp and they usually look for like black gill is what they call it because they're trying to see like the health of the, the, shrimp population or or whatever we're harvesting off our coast. But something that they found with that specifically was they have a special microscope where they look at microplastics within the seafood that we're consuming. And it might not seem like a lot. And I can't attest to if it's actually a, a big deal or not. Like we're all eating, you know, it's like we eat X amount of bugs a year and don't even realize it. Right. right. But I just thought it was really interesting that they've confirmed like you have microplastics and the the food that we're eating and it could come from you know a dryer vent like every time you you know you you wash your clothes some of that's getting Mm -hmm. filtered into the water system but the coolest thing about this and it's not weather related but i just think it's cool this what they used to have to do is when they're pulling apart uh, shrimp or whatever fish they pull out of there they would have to like hand analyze what they thought the particle was and now they have a microscope it's like a laser microscope so they'll put it there and it will chemically tell them like this is this kind of plastic and then they can go back and trace it to like oh well that kind of plastic is um what they use for shopping bags at at the grocery store or it's from shoes or it's from whatever so i think it's kind of cool that they've it's kind of come full circle to where like they can pull it out and see where it is coming from so i you know if that's something that people are going to address in, in the in the future that's uh, a way to start and i just think that the easiest way is to don't litter you know it's right. crazy i mean even driving down 16 here uh, people just before they get on the highway they're just throwing stuff out we're yeah. getting we're getting a little you know sidetracked which is fine we no, can no, no, talk no, about no. whatever we well, want here well this is what I, that's we're still actually on track because what i was going to say is kind of my ultimate goal is like take pictures of trash in the marsh and like figure out how to like like get rid of the art in a way where like I can generate money to get the trash out of the marsh. That'd be that'd be interesting. And and I'm thinking about doing like uh like some of the newer digital art kind of formats like NFTs or like maybe Yeah, I, I saw that you you were working on that and that's something a lot of people don't really have right. a good grasp on. But it's already taken off. It's it's the idea of like once you create a digital item it's not really dead anymore. Like, what if I bought, um, like, Luke Bryan's new song, and then I could sell it to you because there's only 10,000 copies of it. Mm-hmm. Maybe you... It's not unlimited, right? Right. It's its yeah, own yeah. thing. Yeah, it's kind of like economics applied to 
to digital products rather than like economics applied to your cell phone or like how many phones get made per year. How Interesting. Many, yeah. So it's, it's almost like limited edition, whatever. Yeah, and the cool thing is after it keeps selling, uh, because you, you minted that first piece or whatever, you minted that collection, you you keep taking royalties every time it gets sold. So, like, I, I keep making 10%. Like, if that happened, I could take the 10% and then, like, use it to keep paying for people to go get crap out of the marshes. Because I know that they have, like, Fight Dirty Tybee, and they've got a lot of volunteers that go out there. And in right. the summer, it's crazy to see how many, like, cigarette butts and whatnot people get out. Right, and then you get bottlenecked on, like, things like work, and mm-hmm. like, where you literally can't get people out there to go work because it, it's too costly for their time. And, and a lot of it's, vo- it's volunteer stuff. You know, yeah, it's, it's not volunteer. like people are getting paid X amount of dollars to go in and be a good person. But what if you could, like, what if you could create something that generates those dollars that just keeps paying it and, yeah. and the government doesn't have to keep doing it or... or it's, it becomes self-sufficient, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like kind of achieving like kind of like a critical mass, if you will, like on on like a piece of oh, an, on an art collection. Yeah. And it's happening all the time. That's why you saw like Jimmy Fallon and and uh, you know even Visa are buying up these huge NFTs. Uh, and it's because packaged within them is you know millions of dollars worth of clout. Ton, uh, you know, seriously, like you could buy like that. That board ape that Jimmy Fallon bought came with thousands and thousands and thousands of new followers. Well, there's a, a method to the madness, it right? Seems yeah, like. uh, and you know you're buying into these intellectual property things, and like obviously the the I'm calling it marsh blocks right now is kind of the working thing, but like the idea would be, um, you know, to kind of like start small and, and figure out like what can be done because I've seen some nonprofit stuff work with it. I just need to figure out like who to meet. To, yeah, like, well, me, I mean, like, maybe someone will be listening to this because that, that'd be that'd be fun to um, to see where we could get that going—a self-sustained way to kind of get our marshes clean. No, seriously, like if you're out there listening to this and you know anything about like Ethereum smart contracts by any chance, call it's, over, me. it's over my head. You can literally call me or message me. It's a pretty high-level topic, but I'm looking for a guy. So well, there you or go. Got, got a plug there. So I want to go back to weather photography here before before we start wrapping up. Um, I I love it. You know, it's crazy because weather's always moving, and a lot of people either prefer video or pictures. And I honestly don't know. I feel like you know, there's a strong opinion on either. But for me, I love weather time lapse. That's probably my favorite. You know, especially whenever I was storm chasing, and that takes a lot of uh, patience, skill. Maybe a little bit of um, craziness, mm-hmm. sleepless nights for my mom when I was in college, storm right. chasing in Oklahoma. Yeah. But you mm-hmm. have to position yourself in a certain way to where you think there's going to be a tornado in a certain spot, know where it's going to be, have a tripod, and be okay with chilling there for five, ten minutes, knowing that you're going to be safe. There's a lot more to storm chasing and extreme weather photography than just crazy people bottling up roads uh, there are those people that right. kind of ruin the fun for us, but um, there are also people that do artwork with it, you know. And I remember right. uh, when I was younger, we had a, a one of these tornado movies came out on IMAX, and that was crazy. And this guy, his name was Sean Casey. Um, he and Reed Timmer were kind of the big storm chasers of like the ones that were on Discovery Channel or whatever. The people might know their names. He had the craziest idea, and I always thought it was the coolest thing. He p- had an IMAX camera, and this tank he built essentially and he called it the tiv i think tornado intercept vehicle unless that was reeds i might be getting these crossed but what was cool is it kind of had a dome on the top 
and his goal was to have a tornado literally just drive over his car. So this thing could shoot down spikes into the ground. Air compressors would lower it all the way to the ground so you couldn't get any lift with with the tornado going by you. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to shoot that camera, that IMAX camera he installed in this vehicle straight up into the tornado. That was his money shot. And he never, like, completely nailed that, but it's just like, what what a crazy but shot nobody that would else be. had any kind of shot at all like that so. i know well at least he's trying you know yeah. it, there's there's a lot that goes into this and and you can probably attest to this too lightning is hard to get you know you can mm -hmm. actually get uh like a lightning sensor for a camera right and and can you talk about that because i i yeah the place that we would always go if we weren't chasing storms or if it was at nighttime because you don't chase at night that's just stupid but we would go up to the top of the oklahoma football parking garage and you could see 25 miles out west, and the storms would always come west to east, almost 90% of the time. So you get up there, and you just watch the storms roll in. But there were people up there that had cameras that have, had a specific setting or an, an add-on or something, and I never had a fancy camera. But instead of just, like, hoping that you got the frame of the lightning, like, it would just take the picture for you. Um, okay. Lightning is, is kind of its own weird thing. and, and It's quick. And I'm talking about no matter what you do, the other lightning photographers out there are going to come at you and they're going to be like, you didn't do this right or you didn't do that right. But my my thing is, like, if you can come up with a cool image, then that's amazing, man. If you like it, then, you know, and, it's not like and, it, just let it be your own thing. Yeah, all day. And and uh, there's a lot of ways to do it. And my way is point your camera at a storm and key, and just hold down – the burst like, button until it freaking catches one. Yeah, well, that, and then you you curate everything. You just have a lot of images to go back and delete. But yeah. uh, you know the cheating the cheating way is if you got if you have a high frame rate camera uh, that you can film and then just take a still from your film. I've oh, yeah. I, people yeah, will do yeah, that yeah, too. Yeah. But what's kind of neat with that is you get these things called leaders that are coming back up from the ground because what a lot of people don't realize with lightning is that it doesn't just come down from the cloud to the ground and go back up. It's actually um, it, it like pulses. Like right. it is, if you get struck by lightning, you are getting electrocuted. It's not just like a zap. It is going through you multiple times while it's connecting from that positive to negative. Right. Um, it's like a battery, you know, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. So not maybe lightning photography is not the first step I would recommend for people that are trying to get into, to weather photography and lightning. Honestly, like I'm not scared of any of the weather. Cause I feel like you can prepare for anything and, and have a plan and, and, you know, set yourself up to not fail uh, or get in trouble. I would rather be next to a tornado any day because I think that I can kind of read it and, and see what's what's going to go on with it. Not like Twister, you know, like that good. Uh, and, and I have gotten myself in bad spots before. But lightning, on the other hand, it can strike where it wants, you know, and, and it actually, you can get these positive, you have different strikes. You have a positive strike, negative strike, cloud to cloud, cloud to ground, a lot of different things with lightning. But if you get a big anvil, these big thunderheads, if you get a bolt from the top of the cloud, that is going to be a positive bolt. And I think that's 10 times stronger voltage-wise than a strike that's coming from the bottom of the cloud because you just have such a huge difference of the positive, positive and negative charges, and those are the ones that are going to be really loud too. And then we get into thunder, which is sometimes it's louder than others, and a lot of that will have to do if there's a temperature inversion, which typically what happens is your temperature will cool with height. Like, you know, obviously space is cold. You go in an airplane, it's cold. 
But if you get a layer of warmer air that's above you, we call that a temperature inversion because the atmosphere is kind of inverted there. If you get lightning that comes down in there, it's going to strike through that temperature profile and the sound waves kind of hold closer to the ground. You know, your atmosphere is a little, little thinner there. So those can be really loud and and rumbling in. And those are kind of the ones that shake the house and the the picture frames on the wall. Mm -hmm. But Getting a little sidetracked. I, I huh. literally could just talk about weather I'm a all day. Sound guy. Like so a yeah, it's 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 cool stuff. Um, I have gotten, and this is kind of my memory goes back to one instance. I was chasing in Southwest Oklahoma. I think it was my sophomore year of college, and I actually used to get video, and I had a friend that owned a media company for weather products like video, picture, whatever. He would pay me. And this was before I was in, in media myself after college. So he would pay me, kind of get that license. He'd give me like X amount of dollars because I got the video of this storm. And then he had all the contacts with like all the major news corporations from, hmm. you know, Fox, CNN, CBS, Weather Channel, AccuWeather, whatever. So then he would go out there and it would be like his credit. But, you know, I was one of his, not like a contractor, but whatever. I was going to be out there anyway. So it was kind of cool that you could make a little money on it. One day that I was working that there was this crazy cloud and it was the prettiest shade of blue, middle of Oklahoma. Looked like the water you'd see in Bermuda. It was just that pretty like Caribbean blue, but that means hail. And you're like, all right, well, this isn't great because hail, it's, you can get, you can get around hail. It's usually a small pocket within a storm, Mm -hmm. but this had so much hail in it that Storms that have hail usually have a lot of lightning. And the reason being is the, how hailstones get to be big is because you're having super cooled water droplets. You have to have a nuclear. You have to have something for a droplet to form on first. And like we said earlier, temperatures cool as you go higher. So if you get a really strong updraft and you get these storms that are going six, seven plus miles in the sky, obviously you're going to have an updraft mm-hmm. that pulls in that water that's falling down from the sky, but then gets wrapped in the updraft, sucks it back up and it freezes. And that's going to be a continuous cycle. So that's how they continue to grow and grow and grow and grow. Why is that important to lightning? Well, you have an updraft and a downdraft with every storm. So it's like you and I breathing in and out right now. Breathing in, that's how storm gains strike. Breathing out, it has to exhale. That energy has to go somewhere. If you get a hailstone that gets wrapped up in between these, uh, goes up the updraft, and then as it's falling, it kind of, it's going again, and it just goes up and down, up and down, kind of like a yo-yo. Those are when you get your, we call them gorilla hailstones. They're huge. Mm-hmm. We It wasn't quite that big, but lightning can happen. Obviously, it's a difference between a positive and a negative charge. When you have these hailstones colliding for miles above your head, which is hard to visualize because these storms really can be 35, 40,000 plus feet, and you've got hail that is getting sucked up miles vertically and then falling vertically, but they're going to be clashing into each other, right? That's creating not necessarily sparks like a match or, or a flint stone, but it is causing a difference in a positive and a negative charge. Right, yeah. So you are going to have more electric storms with hail. And in doing so, if you see a big pocket of lightning from afar, not all the time, but this is just kind of like a weather watcher thing. You're like, all right, well, there's probably hail in that. If you're seeing like very frequent lightning and it's coming like from the center of uh, the storm itself. So that's just something that you kind of pick up on just by doing it. So yeah, I never think about like where the act, the energy really comes from. Like, I, I mean, like I know I learned a little bit about all that. Like, in, mm-hmm. like I, my main science, all that focus was like pretty much in high school. We had a really 
heavy science program right. at Center Christian, and like, and also at Country Day too. I had this teacher. Do you guys know Bill Eswine by any chance? I mean, that sounds like a familiar name. He, it he's does. a freaking awesome, um, like, just environmental scientist from. Some, he teaches at Country Day, maybe still, but might need to might need to link up with him. The man, absolutely. He, I'm pretty sure him and his team basically started the research projects on the barrier islands and stuff out okay. here like cool. back in the day whenever they first started doing field research out there um but anyway that guy was telling me he he told me about like hail and sleet like third or fourth grade i had like a very strong understanding yeah of that. i mean there are different types types of frozen precip too you can have freezing rain you have something that we call grapple that we don't get that often um i mean it's just it is another side note that i could just talk about as a lecturer, if I had to, I, w- I need to study up more on like my my energy science stuff because I've been working more with like electronics myself mm-hmm. and like I kind of I just I feel like just being able to understand the the way that energy really works it, all around can just be applied to everything. Yeah. Um. Because like I have I have problems with just my stuff at work right now. Like I have like grounding issues with with microphones all the time. I can never figure out like what's going on and it turns out that you know like we're picking up like all kinds of crazy static just from like the like the machines next door and we have we've had some crazy stories here too you know radio waves are energy right and and like us talking right now energy is being emitted and craziest thing that that i've heard here is it was maybe like a couple blocks a quarter mile away at most but we have a big antenna here one of our transmitters out back and we talk on wireless microphones um, in the studio, like when we're broadcasting. And when we're not over the air, you know, like it's sending out our signal specifically, sometimes you can actually still hear us talking. So we have to be careful. If you have mic on, you just pretend it's hot, um, as we call it, meaning that people can hear you. And we had one of our producers that was coming into work, had it on a radio station. I don't know what one it was. I think it was a really low-end one. But he was actually picking up us talking just like you and I are right now from his car because for whatever reason the frequency was close enough to where you could actually hear it. And I just thought just that was so, like, the crazy. Amplitude's so high that yeah, it's it's it was wild. And he's like, I just heard you guys talking about like whatever. And I was like, no way. Like we gotta be careful what we're saying. Not that we're like gonna say anything bad, but you just never know. Right, yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's crazy. You so I'm gonna like accidentally like have somebody drop in when you're saying like uh, something out of context. Oh, for sure. That, yeah. And you just, you got to be careful these days anyways. Yeah, for sure. But um, I, I want to just kind of go back to, to wrapping up weather here, weather wise. I'm really ADHD, man. We can go all over the place. No, we've been talk talking for <laughs> almost 39 minutes and we're just kind of circling around. So if you made it this far, you deserve something, uh, a prize. <laughs> but you, man. let's go back to what are your favorite weather pictures locally here? that you've taken because uh, I'll, I'll somehow we'll, I'll put these on social media or we can link to you or whatever. And we can give people visual to this. My, my favorite one, uh, my favorite weather picture has to be this one. Uh, and it's just like, a, it's just a lightning bolt and it's mm-hmm. horizontal. And yeah. It's right. Over so that would have been a cloud to cloud shot. Those are cool. Yeah. It was, I could not tell you what kind of lightning bolt that was, man, but it, it was just, you know which one I'm talking about? I think I do. It's I, very specific. Sure I've shown it. It's like a, it's just like a really quick, like just horizontal one, like, mm-hmm. and it doesn't touch the ground. It doesn't really come out of the cloud or anything. But um, anyway, that's my favorite one, hands down. And then I have a, a couple other, uh, like there, 
I think some of the there's a couple ones in Colorado where you can't really see precipitation, but it it was like negative eight mm-hmm. outside, and it had just snowed so hard, dude. Like I I'm talking about it. We couldn't go anywhere. Like I barely made it up the top of the mountain to even get this picture, but uh, it's on the Arapahoe Basin East Wall, and you can see where like the snowstorm had just come in and just like pelted the side of this wall. And there's like a little crescent moon just like coming right out. Oh, that's of one cool. Of the you gotta shoots. see that. It's coming right out of one of the shoots of the A Basin East Wall, and uh, in, in the spring it turns into like a skiable shoot. But I I wish I could go back and get my revenge in like April and get it when it's filled out, so yeah. I can have like a before and after. That would be uh, really cool. I don't know if I could time it with the moon as well as I did that day, but it was like yeah. the most incredible moment ever because I'd kind of just got out there. Um, the reason it's so meaningful to me is because I'd kind of just like left home by myself and kind of like went out on a huge adventure you know yeah and it was like the day where i was like holy crap this is gonna be amazing like i like set, definitely set, the first set the tone right photo. yeah it was definitely that's the awesome. first banger like landscape photo i ever took nice that I was so that's awesome and you know you said you kind of left home whatever what are you doing are is this home now like yeah permanently? i'm, I'm so, here now so for thanksgiving do you have any plans you, you know anything crazy going on Probably just gonna hang with my brother and uh, my my future sister in law. They just nice. got engaged. Cool. Uh, cool. I'll be chilling with you know just the family and stuff. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I get together with my friends and do little friends giving stuff. Oh, that's always good. I don't really know uh, you know what's going on with like vaccines or like what people's rules are right now. Yeah, but um, I'm vaccinated and stuff. ESPN made me get vaccinated uh, to kind of jump back on with work because we interact with so many people. And right. Just, I mean, it's it's really like it's more for us at the end of the day. Well, and it it will be different than last year. Not to like get into like a COVID conversation, but no, at, yeah, at least sure. this Sorry. year, no, no. But last year it was just like, I mean, my sister was pregnant, and we didn't know like how things right. were. And it's just like I didn't go home. I went home for Christmas last year, but I wasn't home for Thanksgiving. And it's just like you know, it, there were just a lot of unanswered things. And I think this year I'm just looking forward to it because it seems like yeah. things are just a little bit more chill. And I, yeah, I'm going sure. home to Texas, and I've been home for Thanksgiving and, and years. So mom's like, all right, got to get you back. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to to that and um, also uh, getting some more pictures from you. I know that we've got some cool things coming up that not necessarily like weather-wise, but um, there are a couple fronts coming out here, and anytime you get a front, it's going to clear out you know, the low level of the atmosphere, that usually means the next night slash morning after that going to be pretty clear. So that's good for shooting stars and stuff. Yeah, so that's sure. good. And then um, I, there's, there's, I've seen some cool pictures in the past of uh, when they do like that lighted boat parade, people get some really cool shots of that. They do it down on River Street or down. Oh, yeah. yeah. And people like go all out because, you know, just That'd Savannah, cool. we're kind of quirky out here. They're, they just deck their sailboats or whatever out with Christmas lights. So that's kind of fun yeah. too, because we're kind of getting into that season. And we've got the tree lighting uh, downtown next Friday too. So it's kind of nice that things are getting back to normal in the holidays. And and I I know you might you like shooting your lightning. We don't really have that, but I'm sure that, you know the marshes always changing. It's it's a little browner this time of the year, right? Yeah. But I think always something out favorite. there. Even even if I do shoot lightning, I think I still just like clouds. Well, the, and the, we'll wrap up with this. And I've said that like three times. But what's cool is that the atmosphere really is a fluid. Like I had to take a thermodynamics class, a multiple in college. It really, if you take a time lapse of a storm, you can see, especially if you look up a time lapse of gravity waves. It's nuts. It looks like water just flowing down a river. We call and, and sometimes we will 
uh, reference, uh, you know, a, the jet stream if it's over us or certain things, steering elements in, in the mid-levels of the atmosphere as an atmospheric river. And a lot of people just look up and they're like, oh, it's sunny or cloudy, but there's a lot that goes into it. And there's always a reason to why the weather's the way it is. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of variables. And people always want to make the joke that, you know, we still get paid to be wrong all the time. <laughs> but I tell you what, you know, Freddie Freeman batting 300, he was, he's right one out of every three times and he's getting paid millions of dollars and I'm not. So, and yeah. we're, we're right more than one out of every three times. But it's, I'll give you that, Andrew. I feel like you're probably one of the more on on the point well, i hope so you just be nice because you're my uh, friend too nah, but man no we sure. we take we take it seriously here we really do i mean yeah you'll we, do and, and the thing is to not in our defense or anything but i mean we're forecasting for ourselves we live here too like we're yeah, not gonna sure, we're not going to make yeah. a forecast and be like oh we're planning on rain tomorrow and it's not yeah, raining we're like oh well that messed me up too you know yeah like, so like it's andrew funny. isn't going home like haha I, I fooled all those guys yeah i told you guys it was gonna <laughs> rain so i could have the beach to myself you know that's not how it is yeah because oh, otherwise you would see andrew out there on the beach instead of at work on the news in the morning too. yeah don't tempt me with a good time but no i love the job and i appreciate uh, everything that you've done man so if people yeah, want to kind of look at your work how can they vi- visualize that? You um, got it. You got a pretty uh, a gnarly uh, Instagram. Yeah, definitely follow me on Instagram. It's uh, just Will Boswell underscore. Um, also, if you want to find me on Twitter, if you're into that thing, I'm on there too. Been trying to catch up with Andrew on the followers, but oh, it's he's got me beat. I still got a, l- a lot more grinding to do. But if you guys want to, I mean, I don't know. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, feel free to hit me up on um, pretty much any social media. I'm a pretty nice guy. Yeah. Super Not dude. Like one of those guys who won't won't talk to you or whatever. Nice, uh, nice guy. Talented. Shares his weather pictures. Uh, gives us a an, a nice visual of what's going on whenever I'm stuck in our windowless studio, which is beautiful, by the way. Of a new studio, if you guys haven't tuned in in the past couple months. But we're gonna wrap it up there. Yeah. Thank you so much for for coming on in here, Will, uh, for this edition of the WTOC First Alert Weather Podcast. I'm Andrew. I'll be with Dave next week talking about Thanksgiving. Y'all be safe and have a good one.